Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 699, September 22nd, 2021. The record high for this date occurred in 1936 when it was 95. And it was uh, that 1974 was a chilly year. The low was 26 on this day Ooh. in 1974. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. I hope this concludes my bird sighting from the other day when I saw 50, 60, 70 birds in the backyard, and I thought they were juvenile crows, and then other people told me they were juncos. I should have argued against junco. I know juncos because I looked them up in my book when they were at my feeder. Uh, This fellow, uh, Patrick, believes they were grackles, and he sent a picture, and I'm prepared to believe that's what they were. Grackles. Crackles. Crackles. Gotcha. So that's what you talked about in my absence, your uh, bird feeder? For about 30 <laughs> seconds. For about 30 seconds. What was I just going to have here? Uh, oh, I, I was telling you guys off the air. I'm, I'm a bit depressed about uh, a $3.2 trillion spending plan and the raising of the debt limit. Uh, but, Joe, it's going to create jobs. So I looked up, when was the last time this country was not in debt? It had no debt. I thought we did this once in the show. 1835 yeah. when Andrew Jackson was president. So right now, you've got 535 people in Washington, D.C. who control the funding. Mm-hmm. 100 senators, 435 members of the House. They're really doing a bad job of it. There you go. <laughs> and all we can do is keep putting our finger in the dike here and there. This is extraordinary that, uh, can, you, can you imagine any other entity that could get by by just increasing its debt ceiling? And if they don't, it becomes a catastrophe. Well, in, in a normal walk of life, the, the business would just declare bankruptcy because right. th- that's what this country is right now. There was a great piece in the Wall Street Journal today written by a guy named Jason L. Riley. He himself is an African-American fellow. Mm -hmm. And the headline of the editorial is The Destructive Legacy of the Great Society. And he begins by saying the uh, Democrats' $3.5 trillion proposal to expand the U.S. safety net is being described as a make-or-break moment for the Biden presidency. Regarding electoral politics... In the short term, that may well be true, but some of us are more concerned about what it could mean for the country beyond the next election or two. Liberals view a larger welfare state as as an unalloyed good, but what's the track record? It's horrible. Entitlement programs were dramatically expanded in the 60s in the service of a war on poverty, yet poverty fell at a slower rate after the Great Society initiatives were implemented. An overall dependency on the government for food, shelter, and other basic necessities increased, according to Howard Husick, 
a scholar of the American Enterprise Institute and an author of a coming book on housing policy, The Poor Side of Town, and Why We Need It. The median time and family uh, the median time a family spends in New York City public housing today is 19 years. And 10% of public housing residents in the city have been there for more than 40 years. Housing policies intended to help families through a rough patch, not become a multi-generational trap. Wow. Democrats are now aiming to create new entitlements and expand the existing ones. Between 1940 and 1960, the percentage of black families living in poverty declined by 40 points as blacks increased their years of education and migrated from poorer rural areas to more prosperous urban environs in the South and North. No welfare program has ever come close to replicating that rate of black advancement. Isn't that something? Which predates affirmative action that often received credit for creating the black middle class. Moreover, what we experienced in the wake of the great society interventions was slower progress or outright retrogression. Black labor force participation rates fell, black unemployment rates rose, and the black nuclear family disintegrated. In 1960, fewer than 25% of black children were being raised by a single mother. Within four decades, it was more than half. Mm as the left continues to tell black Americans, you're less than, right? you need us. Meanwhile, their only agenda is to continue growing government and make people more and more dependent upon them. I, I won't read the whole thing, but I thought it was uh, interesting when I was thinking about the debt today and how it's uh, the fiduciary responsibility of the people we elect uh, is dreadful. Uh, I just, uh, I, I, I went on my own downward spiral. <laughs> you... I could tell your dauber was down a touch when you walked in today. What? There's so many crises. What's happening at the border with the Haitians? Ugh. They're flooding into the country. It's, mm-hmm. it's a grim scene, boy. Wow. They're they're unvaccinated. I thought that was a big problem. Well, but no, 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 no. We were told, Joe, they're only going to be here for a little bit. Oh. So that's not, it's, it's okay. It's like when you go to an Emmy Award. You don't have to wear a mask there because COVID takes the <laughs> night off when you're at the Emmys. I'm going to read a few more stats and then uh, spare myself any more misery. Uh, reading from uh, Jason Riley. Antisocial behavior is closely associated with family breakdowns, so it's no surprise that more fatherless homes led to higher violent crimes. The criminologist Barry Latzer has noted that black male homicide rates have been falling in the 1940s by 18% and in the 1950s by 22%. Yet this trend would reverse itself beginning in the late 1960s and continue to worsen for nearly three decades. The political left likes to cite the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow, but what about the legacy of the massive welfare state interventions in the 1960s? The greatest 25 years of black progress after emancipation itself came between the early post-war period and around 1973, writes labor economist Richard Vedder in the current issue of the Independent Review. The real median income of the black population more than doubled between 1948 and 1973, increasing an astonishing 3% a year. If average instead of medians are used to calculate real income, the increase was even larger. I'll stop now. Because I've always subscribed to this man's thinking and, and people who, who think like him. 
will you, will you please tell me what the left has done for you? It's been a disaster. Well, they're handing out checks. That's kind of nice. It's a disaster. It's a bleeping disaster. <laughs> well, and the in- people that can take care of it aren't doing that. And how do you get them to do that? The Congress. 535 people control yeah. the pay strings. Pay, what's that called? Pay purse or purse strings. And the only thing they're worried oh about God. is keeping their job, number mm-hmm. one, yep. and two, presenting, uh, you know, that they're part of this tribe or that tribe. So how do you make them actually do their job? But they're growing yeah. the milieu. They're growing the environment. They're growing the uh, environment's a good word. They, they're growing the environment in which we can statistically see all the failures. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, like I said earlier, their their agenda is just to continue to make more and more people in this country dependent upon them. Thus, they're continuing to grow what is essentially their business, and they're winning. They're succeeding at doing it. Meanwhile, the country's bankrupt. All the while shouting down the conservatives as being white supremacists yep. and haters and this and that and uh, the the source of everything that's evil in the world while completely ignoring what really counts and matters. Well, I was actually talking about both sides being <laughs> responsible for not doing anything. I am, oh, too. And yeah, I, I am, too. You're right, John. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's 535 of them. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Every one of them a miserable failure. And, and you know what? To take what you said further, you're absolutely right, John. They can't even face each other across the table and talk oh, this, yeah. this stuff out. You know, yeah. uh, the betterment of the country is the last thing they care about. Uh-huh. Thus, my disheartening belief that all we've been doing is sticking our finger in the those of us who do not believe in the mystery those of us who do not want the country to drift from its wonderful origins all we can do is keep putting our fingers in holes in the dike yep coffee monska did it the other day at the roseville school board you know she had 10 minutes all she was doing was plugging a hole in the dike pushing back brilliantly I wonder why she has not responded to us. That's bizarre. I, but I, I, I think I told you this earlier, but I have I have also not heard her do any other local media, so maybe that's just her stance. Hmm. Meanwhile, back home, listen to this. Joel, this past weekend I was DJing a wedding at the Minneapolis Institute of Art. As I was working that night, I got a text from my cousin, who was a Minneapolis police officer, that read... Don't you dare leave that wedding tonight until I am there. When I asked why, he said, you cannot leave that building tonight with thousands of dollars of equipment. We have already had multiple shootings. Like, this was the terrible weekend in Minneapolis. Yeah. Which one? Yeah, well, this most recent one. Okay, God. My cousin showed up before the wedding was over, and the person running the Minneapolis Institute of Art was upset with me for asking him to be there. She said to me, people get intimidated when the police show up, and it makes us look bad. I thought to myself, I thought to myself, this is the problem. Wow. My cousin was coming from two shootings that night. He showed up to make sure we were all safe leaving the wedding. And all this person running the museum could say is police presence intimidates people. What made me happy is that everyone leaving the wedding was shaking his hand and thanking him for being there. Not a single one felt intimidated. We live in crazy times, Joe. Thank you. Wearing my Garage Logic Boatworks t-shirt from the fair as I send this. Kelly Jordan. 
He's a morning show host at KZPK Wild Country 99. Nice. Is that a local station? St. Cloud, I believe. St. Cloud. St. Oh. Cloud, yeah. Oh, that's Kelly. Yeah, I've had, uh, tr- I've, I've done um, emails with Kelly. All right. I met, I met yeah. Kelly. He bought something from me. Yeah. Yeah, he's he a good. Dope? Yeah. Good drugs? <laughs> good, good guy. <laughs> I think it was a, a bad, actually. <laughs> something like that. Oh, man. i tell you what. The presence of police, uh, that's thats just... Well, but it shows you something. It shows you exactly what's going on in Minneapolis. Well, I'm going to make, I'm going to go out on a, a fairly sturdy limb and conclude that the whoever heads up the Minneapolis Institute of Art is uh, very woke. Oh, heavens, yes. <laughs> but And so she or he was concluding that it would have upset the constituents of the place. Well, no, it didn't. They liked the fact that a cop was there. And keep this in mind. For that wedding, I bet it wasn't free. Oh God, no! You know, I bet they charged a pretty hefty sum for that wedding to take place there, mm-hmm. and they had the gall to be offended. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, quite seriously, who's going to make that call to him under the new Department of Public Safety? <laughs> Which cousin of a DJ is going to make a call to his cousin, who he happens to know is DJing a wedding at a building in downtown Minneapolis? Mm-hmm. And under the Department of Public Safety, who would be sent there if there was trouble? Uh, they they keep threatening that there'll be police on the in the Department of Public Safety. We don't know that because they have yet to imagine the Department of Public Safety. Well, at this point, if that does happen, who's going to want to even get married in downtown Minneapolis? That's a good point. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of venues that rely on that money. And we've already seen what both Minneapolis and public serve uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul public schools have done to themselves by removing their yep. police and the police presence there. Do you think? I think the day is coming when a wedding will be catered by Red Savoy. That's not a bad oh, I idea. I bet it's already yeah. been. I bet it's already happened. Especially now that they have the new adult mac and cheese, the bacon mac and cheese, and the regular mac and cheese with. Parmesan, mozzarella, and cheddar, and Alfredo sauce. Then you could have a buffet table with the mac and cheese and all of the different wonderful soda-style pizzas cut in squares. And then you could fight over who gets the pull tab. There you go. Only eight. Well, no, I not fight. Let's it. not fight. It's a wedding. <laughs> yeah. Let's not fight. Probably have to give that to the bride and groom. Yeah, that would be a great gift. Yes, it would. In fact, if I get invited to a wedding and, and, and You're I... You're bringing I, your own pizza? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, here's my gift to you. Here's the pull tab. Because you could win free stuff. You could win pasta and wings and free pizza and money off your next purchase, salads, cookies, pop, uh, and the grand prize. Free pizza for a year. Nice. So you got really got great choices now at Red Savoy Pizza. Uh, There's 16 locations. Try the pizza and... You, you got macaroni and cheese. To do. It's not that orange crap your Aunt Martha made. Nope. This is the real deal. Very, uh, very trendy food right now, mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check out more at the Red Savoy app or visit SavoyPizza.com. Hey, GLers, if you're looking to improve the water quality in your home, then trust my friends at Hofferman Water. They are your local independent water treatment dealer, and they have been serving Minnesotans for nearly 50 years, and they understand the unique problems that Minnesota water brings. They are also an independent and authorized Connecticut dealer, so whether you're looking to soften, filter, or you just want your water to taste better, they will help make your water worry-free. I'm a prime example. I went with the Connecticut system a couple of years ago. I have the S. 
650 system inside my home. It made an absolute world of difference. It improved everything. Your 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 dishes, your your laundry, your showers, everything inside your home gets better with Kinetico and my friends at Hofferman Water. If you already have a water treatment system in your home, well, they can help you with service and repairs. They specialize in Kinetico products, but service many other major brands too. They can also help with salt delivery, filter changes, parts, repairs, and more. Give them a shout today. You can call them at 612-895-2440 for a free water analysis and estimate, or just check them out online at HoffermanWater.com, and please let them know that Garage Logic sent you. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Put on your red dress, my baby. Honey, put on them dancing shoes. PK? Mm-hmm. Put on your red dress, my baby. Honey, put on them dancing shoes. We said that already, PK. <laughs> Going downtown, baby, now. We won't listen to the blues. Yes, we do. I have a seafoam work story from my very own life. The roommate, she tells me Monday night that she's bringing her car into the shop on Tuesday because it's running rough. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Who does she know that has seafoam? Anyway, uh, I go into a full-blown panic here. I sneak outside. I fire up the jalopy, give it a full can of seafoam high mileage, let it sit there and run for 15 minutes, shut it down, forget all about it. Fast forward to yesterday afternoon, and uh, she tells me the shop said, eh, it's running fine. Couldn't find any evidence of it running rough, although it did need a water pump. <laughs> too bad Too bad seafoam doesn't make a water pump fix. Uh, so anyway, that was another victory for seafoam in my bank account. Uh, and then another seafoam story, the deep creep found out it works wonderful on those sticky guards on skill saws. You know those spinning blade cover things on skill saws? They mm-hmm. get sticky with sawdust. You dose it with seafoam deep creep, fixes that thing right up. There you go. Two hashtag seafoam work stories in one minute. Truly a great product in a world of bad gas and sticky saw guards. Hey, sea Kenny, foam. quick question. Uh, no, the, no. The seafoam that I buy, because I always get it at you know quick trip. No further questions. Should I get the high mileage <laughs> stuff for my car? Why not? It's high mileage. Well, that's what I'm asking. Should I be using that instead? Yeah, I'll answer you. Yes. For that, gre- for that green car? Yes. Yes. Okay. I meant to get to this yesterday, but we are uh, we in, are we in delay? I think there was think just a little are, bit yeah. of hiccup there for for a second. <laughs> I meant to get to this yesterday, but we were fortunate enough to have Don Samuels on. He's a statesman, I think. He's a statesman. That was, was a great interview. He he and his wife and Bruce uh, brought lawsuits to try to get clarity to that ballot question. And I got a couple of notes. Uh, Derek writes, "Thank you for having Don on the show. The man is an incredibly sophisticated thinker." I'm glad Minnesota has his own has its own Henry Kissinger. I mean that in a completely complimentary way. I understand people can take it a different way. He's Derek from Andover. And uh, Bert writes, thank you for having Mr. Samuels on. He is an asset to the community. The arrogance of Jeremiah Ellison patting Samuels on the head and telling him not to worry, you'll thank me in 15 years, is disgusting. He should be begging for Samuels' advice and heeding it. But if by some misfortune he's still in office, he'll be back in less than 15 years looking for advice when his nonsense fails. If one of my younger peers ever said something like, like that to me, I'd flick him on the ear and show him the door. Mind your elders, it pays off. Uh, he was a great guest. But what I didn't get to was, uh, almost because it's become a cliche now, 
UN hopes to set stage for climate pact in Glasgow. Uh, and, and here's the quote from this United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres. Well, I don't want to take any marching orders from you, Tony. Who, who the hell are you? I am desperate, but I'm tremendously worried. I'm not desperate, but I'm tremendously worried, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres told the Associated Press in a weekend interview. We are on the verge of the abyss, and we cannot afford a step in the wrong direction. Really, pal? You've been, you've been singing this BS for 25 years. Nothing has changed except more people are in harm's way of what has always occurred in nature. Storms. This is, I, I can't, if, if this isn't clear to you now that this is a reordering of the world's economy, I don't know what it will take to make you understand yeah, right. it. Right, exactly, what's going to change Th- This your... has nothing to do with the environment. Zero. Nothing? Zero. Nothing. Nothing. So on Monday, Guterres and United Kingdom President Prime Minister Boris Johnson were hosting a closed-door session with 35 to 40 world leaders to get countries to do more, leading up to the huge climate negotiations in Scotland in six weeks. Those negotiations in the fall are designed to be the next step after the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement. 2015 Paris Climate Agreement hasn't accomplished anything, has it? We all agree that something must be done, Johnson told the leaders. We must do something about this. According to a statement released by his office. Yet I confess, I'm increasingly frustrated that something to which many of you have committed is nowhere near enough. It is the biggest economies in the world that are causing the problem while the smallest suffer the worst consequences. In other words, these are world leaders saying, start cutting us checks. This has nothing to do with what the temperature is supposed to be. So, I, so it reminded me, are you guys, do you guys remember how enamored I became in Remain uh, of a guy named Garth Partridge? I bet it's two or three years ago. And uh, he wrote a piece called Climate's Uncertainty Principle. Oh, this is the one where he listed all of the things that were going to kill us, right? No, this is a different. He, he wrote this for Quadrant magazine. Oh. Let, me, let me tell you who he is because he's not a talk show host or a podcast host. He is an emeritus professor at the University of Tasmania and a fellow for the Australian Academy of Science. He is the author of The Climate Caper, Facts and Fallacies of Global Warming. He was a chief research scientist with CSIRO Division of Atmospheric Research. So he's more qualified than I am to be a skeptic. Sure. But I, but I joined him in his skepticism. And I remember I kept the piece. It was out there on the bulletin board. And I, I had certain uh, paragraphs uh, circled. Perhaps the whole idea of being fair to the people of the future should be reversed. Perhaps they can easily afford to owe us something in retrospect. The bottom line of politically correct thought on the matter, the thought that we must collectively do something drastic now to prevent climate change in the future, is so full of holes that it brings the overall sanity sanity of mind, mankind into question. For what it is worth, one possible theory is that mankind or at least that fraction of it that has become both overeducated and more delicate as a result of a massive increase of its wealth in recent times, has managed to remove the beliefs of existing religions from its consideration, and now it misses them. As a replacement, it has manufactured a set of beliefs about climate change that can be used to guide and ultimately to control human behavior. 
The beliefs are similar to those of the established religions in that they are more or less unprovable in any scientific sense. And I remember just thinking, oh, man, you just hit a home run, man. Just you just hit a home run. That's exactly what's taking place. Uh, And to conclude, the answer probably gets back to the uncertainty of it all. The chances of proving that climate change over the next century will be large enough to be disastrous are virtually nil. For the same reason, the, chance of a climate skept- the chances of a climate skeptic, or anyone else for that matter, proving the disaster theory to be oversold are also virtually nil. To that extent, there is a level playing field for the two sides of the argument. The problem is that climate research necessarily involves enormous resources and is a game for institutions and organizations. Skepticism is an occupation for individuals. Things being as they are in the climate change arena, skepticism by an individual within the system can be fairly career-limiting. In any event, most individual scientists have a conscience and are reluctant to put their heads above the public uh, parapet in order to propound a view of things that may be inherently unprovable. In short, there is more than enough uncertainty about the forecasting of climate to allow normal human beings to be at least reasonably hopeful that global warming might not be nearly as bad as it is currently touted. Climate scientists, and even scientists in general, are not so lucky. They have a lot to lose if time should prove them wrong. Wow. Yeah, yeah, boy, isn't that the truth? Going back up Uh, on the bulletin board, I'm never going to lose this piece. I I, I just think it's fantastic. I I really do, Uh, especially coming from... Uh, a man I can only presume is a very uh, uh, celebrated academic. Uh, it's just when, wonderful. When are we going to see start seeing more and more scientists raising their voice and saying, hold up, wait a minute, something's not right here, uh, about the whole climate thing? The, it, the way we are now with COVID and the origins of COVID and maybe the uh, efficacy of um getting the shot versus not, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Do you foresee a day when we're going to get to the bottom of this? No, and I think he addresses that by saying livelihoods are at stake. Yeah. A, a, whole, a whole industry has grown up selling this BS. Uh, a whole uh, well, it's big business. A whole uh, the idea of uh, this is peer reviewed. I'm going to pay me my $10,000 for this study. It's all, it's, here, here's something else he wrote. The uncertainty associated with climate prediction derives basically from the turbulent nature of the processes going on within the atmosphere and oceans. Such predictability as there is in turbulent fluids is governed by the size of the boundaries that contain and limit the size which random turbulent eddies can grow. Thus, reasonably correct forecasts of the average climate of the world might be possible in principle on the scale of regions, anything much smaller than the scale of the major ocean basins, for example, it has yet to be shown that useful long-term climate forecasting is possible even in principle. I rest my case. I, uh, you know, you guys talked about it becoming a business. Yesterday, by mistake, I found out where the Seattle Kraken hockey team will play. Do you guys know where that's at? I've, what I don't. Is? I don't. They are playing in Climate Pledge Arena. Oh, my God. Hold on. Are you kidding me? Well, who's, who's the money behind Climate Pledge? Uh, it would be Amazon. Oh, sure. Uh, oh, yeah. When I, when I looked it up, it said, in partnership with Amazon, Climate Pledge Arena will serve as a long-lasting reminder of the urgent need for climate action. It might sound ambitious, 
But that's the point. Amazon. So you can't, you can't go thinking that just because you don't do business with Amazon, it's not affecting your life. It is affecting your life, whether you know it or want it to or not. I hope the Kraken never win a game. We, uh, we, uh, and I ran by this uh, just by mistake. Uh, we had, my uh, kid and I were talking about their jerseys and how cool they look. Mm-hmm. And he said, where are they going to play? I said, I don't know. What's the arena in Seattle? And he looked it up. You know, I, pledge I didn't know you were going to bring this up, John, but in yeah. Seattle, uh, obviously, they're a very woke city. Uh, oh, that's boy. been on full display sure. here the last sure few, few years. John, I you know how the Wild have their theme song. Sure. Uh, this is going to be the Seattle uh, theme song for the Kraken. Hole in the sky where the tree once was. Somebody's making money. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> Joe, what's a Kraken? A bird? No, it's a sea monster. No, it's, it's a, a sea, sea monster. monster. Sea monster. Oh. Release the uh, Kraken. How, how are we, everyday people, doing a tiny little podcast out of Minneapolis, supposed to push back against the likes of Amazon and then Bill Gates and all his money. Uh, there's just, it's, we're pushing back against a mountain. We we're can't do a, it. We're putting a little pinky finger into a dike, aren't we? Yeah. It's just a, yeah, like you said at the outset. Yeah, yeah. We're just plugging holes here. But gee whiz, it should occur to any thinking person that nature is, well, that's the other trouble. As, as man lost faith in whatever you can lose faith in, a higher being, for example, uh, it's been replaced with this belief that uh, man is bigger than nature. I completely forgot about the one woman in the background of this video that was dressed as a tree. She was a, a tree. tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know. These people are nuts. Yes, they are. The other day... The other day, the weather forecasters told me that there was a 100% chance of rain all day long. Mm-hmm. It stopped raining at noon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, even... what the true believers would say to you, well, you're just talking about weather. We're talking about climate. Okay. But I'm talking about prediction right. and weather and climate. And if you can't predict 24 hours out correctly... I can't remember a summer in which the predictions have been more off. Storms, yeah. storms that were predicted have never happened. Heavy rain. We were supposed to get heavy rain on Monday. It, it might have drizzled for 30 seconds. It rained pretty good, though, it, a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. Not where I live. <laughs> but then their way, and I'm not talking meteorologist. I'm talking climate folks. Their way of explaining that is to say, well, that's the fault of climate change. It didn't rain because of climate change, or it never stopped raining because of climate change. No matter what the weather does today, it's always the result of climate change. Do you guys know how sometimes the curiosity gets the best of Joe from time to time? I'm a curious fellow. Yes, you are. Um, so In many ways. So oh, after that's right, we, John. Thanks. After we were done doing the show on Monday... Of course, we do Monday Night Sports Talk shortly thereafter, and Patrick had come in, and the first question Joe asks is, is it raining outside? Patrick said no. Joe says, I better go check. <laughs> Even though Pat had just come in the building I didn't believe him. five Trust seconds and ago. Trust and verify. He had to go check for himself. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's amusing that in the, in the middle of these supply chain horror stories, Tim Bloom at EcoFund Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake had a reverse pl- supply chain problem. He got in 200 Bentelli e-bikes he wasn't anticipating until this coming spring. 
And as he said, this is great if I'm a guy in Miami right. selling e-bikes or San Diego or Phoenix, but winter's going to be upon us any moment. So what is he going to do? He's going to give you the best deal you'll ever get on a Bentelli e-bike. He offers only good through September 30. But in addition to the great prices they already have at EcoFun, uh, you're going to save an additional 160 to $200 per bike. You're going to get that GL t-shirt. Uh, but most importantly, you'll get the right fit, right size tires, the right everything, because they are experts on that bike with five levels of electric assist. So take advantage of this. What a deal. All these bikes he wasn't anticipating until April or May, and they're in there now. The reverse supply chain problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, full line of Yamaha products, uh, youth recreational equipment, scooters that turn urban errands into adventures, helmets, apparel, service, a really a really great one-stop shopping center for Really fun recreation stuff. It's on Highway 61, of course, in downtown Forest Lake. Eco-Fun Motorsports. Hey, Garage Logic would like to welcome Kahuna Window Cleaning and Seasonal Services to the podcast. Andy and his crew at Kahuna take care of all the stuff around your house that you really hate doing. Window cleaning, gutter cleaning, pressure washing, roof washing, they will even put up, take down, and store your holiday lights. They service the entire metro area from North Branch to Norwood, Young America. Kahuna is also a veteran-owned company and honored to be recommended by Trust Vets. Throughout the entire month of September, they have a great special on soft washing just for GLers. If you look under your eaves on the north side of your house you'll probably see some gray dirt it's actually algae it can grow anywhere siding patio patio furniture deck and even on your roof the proper way to clean this is usually not with water pressure kahuna's soft wash method uses low pressure water with a mixture of algicide to kill the algae so it stays clean longer and doesn't damage your house right now for glers only pricing for house washing packages start at just 299 dollars this special will only run through the month of september head to kahunawindowcleaning.com to schedule a washing. Make sure that you ask for the GL special. kahunawindowcleaning.com Mate schmate. Here's Joe Suchere. This sounds like it's hard to play. It would be a uh... You know, it's like a Tower of Power song or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're playing the horn part on guitar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've been frequenting uh, big box lumber stores this week and noticed that one of them, yeah, sells safe. So you're telling me I can go in and buy some 2x12s, a bag of sacrete, and, and a safe all in the same store? Really? Really? I, I don't think so there, uh, Bob the Builder. Uh, do yourself a favor. Before you run off to the old Warp 2x12 store for a safe, click over to maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Take a look at the Liberty brand of safes. They provide the best protection from calamity. And then do yourself another favor. Stop into Maple Grove Lock and Safe, 6901 East Fish Lake Road. That's their new location. Meet the owner, Rich, a very easygoing stand-up guy. He'll make sure you go home happy, and by happy, knowing that you spent your money on a safe that best fits your needs, a unit that's going to keep all your valuables secure in the event of evil, both man-made and natural. Rich is the man. He also sells other brands. Uh, and his shop in Maple Grove, though, the best place in the Midwest to pick up a safe and get lock services, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Tim Buck, too, writes, and he's, he likes to noodle around in the news and do the work that you morons won't do. 
Sioux Falls is growing fast, and the city is adding to its police department, not slashing its budget like other cities. Yesterday, the police department in Sioux Falls announced that they have sworn in six new officers. The most surprising part of this announcement was that all six of these new recruits were experienced officers who moved to South Dakota from other states. They came from as far away as California, Florida, Arizona, Illinois, and New Mexico. A police spokesman said the department had received 82 applications from out-of-state residents over the past six months. It's obvious that many police officers are fed up and are voting with their feet. Based on 2020 census data, the population of Sioux Falls is now at 192,000 people, which puts it at 45% of the population of Minneapolis. So how do crime rates compare between the two cities? Are Sioux Falls numbers about half that of Minneapolis? Minneapolis has experienced 70 homicides through September 20. Sioux Falls has experienced one homicide which occurred last month when an 18-year-old homeless boy shot a 19-year-old boy. The homicide rate so far this year is 16.3 per 100,000 residents in Minneapolis and 0.5 per 100,000 population in Sioux Falls. That means the homicide rate in Minneapolis is 33 times that of Sioux Falls. The Minneapolis Police Department is woefully understaffed and going in the wrong direction, and the citizens of Minneapolis are paying the price for that, and he, lick, he linked me to, to a piece from uh, uh, whatever this website is in Sioux Falls. Oh, Kelo Land, K-E-L-O. I think it's probably TV. Uh, a lot of what we hear draws people to this. Uh, to the, a lot of what we hear is what draws people to this is our community, our outstanding community that we have in Sioux Falls, a great state. We support law enforcement, and people are basically looking here because they see that throughout the country, the quality they see the quality of life we have here in Sioux Falls. Chief Thune says they are still hiring more people to work within the uh, Sioux Falls Police Department. Well, you know what? My advice to the people in Sioux Falls, don't build any tall buildings. No. No, and I don't <laughs> I don't think know how you're going to keep your ambiance that you have. If you're that popular and that growing, that's I did not know Sioux Falls was almost 200,000 people. Well, you know oh, why? There are ads that ran on GL, oh. SiouxFallsDevelopment.com. So great. We, we ran ads on GL that chased people out of Minnesota. <laughs> well, but their whole mission was business owners that are fed up with the bureaucratic nonsense in this state. It's not, I mean, Sioux Falls is an hour from Mankato. Well, maybe a little bit more than that. Oh, God, yes, it's more than that. That's probably an hour and a half. But you get my point. I know a family that moved from, not South Minneapolis, but they were in Hopkins to Sioux Falls about not quite a year ago. What's the industry? Healthcare. There's a yeah. They have a hospital there. They have. A, I mean, it's it's a it's a great city. It really is. I've yeah, I've never been in Sioux Falls. Really? really? Right. I yeah. never have. Yeah. Hold on, man. Cato. Yeah. The most murders they've ever had in a year is thirteen. And they're, like you said, pretty good size now. So. Okay, it's two and a half hours. You get my point. It's not that far. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. These factual things, they confuse Chris. Yeah, you know, it's, you just get on 90, boom, you're right there. Well, in other words, here's what would not happen in Sioux Falls, because as they're growing, they probably have an institute of arts and possibly an orchestra. And if a wedding was held at wherever their institute of arts is, they uh, and a... And a uh, Sioux Falls copper knew his cousin was performing at that wedding as a DJ. Uh, the cousin never would have received an email. 
Right. You would have been safe yeah. leaving the event. I'm trying to see how many schools that they have there. I'm talking uh, uh, colleges. I think they have a couple in Sioux Falls, too. Uh, I needed a little warmer to consider relocating. Because their winters can just be as bad as ours, right? Yeah. But, gee, that is interesting news. Coppers are no dummies. They're looking around the country and thinking, I love law enforcement. I love what I'm doing. But I no longer love what I'm doing here. Yep. I no longer love what I'm doing in Chicago. They have the University of Sioux Falls and Augustana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they had more than that, but it looks like those are the only two. And they also have a couple of technical schools there as well. Well, we... We torture our clients, don't we? Yes, we do. Now they have to. Go <laughs> Sorry, to a, Sioux Falls. We apologize. <laughs> they had to go into a building boom. People were flooding there like Haitians across the border. How about this? In the census of 2010, there were 153,000 people that lived in that city, and now there's 194,000 people, according to their Wikipedia page. Right. Right. So wow. what? Another 50,000 people in 10 years. Yeah. They're growing by 4,100 per year on average, 4,100 hmm. people in the last 10 years. You know why? They have a really good governor. What, what, what do they <laughs> oh, have okay, going Chris. for them? Look up <laughs> industries in Sioux Falls. All right. Obviously, uh, people are working there well, and I, attracted I, there by work. I uh, Googled, um, just for the fun of it, Sioux Falls climate change. Came across, a, uh, came across a, a city website, the City of Sioux Falls Sustainability. Mm-hmm. The City of Sioux Falls is partnering, partnering with the community to update our sustainability master plan. The plan will focus on sustainability in these aspects of our community. Natural systems, transportation, and land use. Energy and buildings. Community vitality and sustainable living. Sustainable economy and materials management and waste. It will also prioritize social equity and reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So Be careful, Sioux Falls. (laughs) They are uh, well-versed in the woke spoke. Uh, Biomedical. Sanford Health is the largest employer in Sioux Falls with around 12,000 uh, Avera, A-V-E-R-A, Avera Health also employs around 8,000, whatever they're called. Yeah. Today we face big sustainability challenges, things like limited resources, climate change, threat to ecosystems and biodiversity, pollution and waste, and public health concerns are all issues we need to address. Precipitation extremes, Uh-oh. hotter temperatures, decreased air and water quality, well, never mind. Greater, no. <laughs> greater, greater likelihood of natural disasters and increased flooding are challenges our community may face in the future. See, but, I need to go to a city where the city website says climate change, question mark, bleep that. Right. Uh, well, let me check out Yankton then. <laughs> but we if do. You've ever, if you've ever watched Deadwood. Right. But we all have to admit, the way that the state is governed is a little different than the way this state is governed. I think that's pretty safe to assume. I think so, yeah, too. We all know how you feel about, what's her name, Christy. But Christy it's just Nome. true. Nome. It's just yeah. true. She doesn't She's a governor that doesn't want to get in the way, unlike the guy that runs this state that all he wants to do is get in the way. She sure likes to get in the news if she doesn't want to get in the way, though. Yeah, huh? She's good at that. She, <laughs> yeah, she's really good at that. She's, oh, she can always find a camera <laughs> or an open we've been trying to. We've been trying to figure out off air. I've been watching the Ken Burns documentary on Muhammad Ali. It concludes tonight with the episode called Round Four. And I've enjoyed every moment of it. And... Uh, I covered an Ali fight. I covered Ali and Spinks, but it was in Las Vegas. 
And I was, uh, I've been trying to figure out why in the hell did a guy named Dave Kindred and I have Ali alone in Gleason's gym in New York for about 30 minutes? And why was I at some upstate New York training camp that I believe, maybe it was a Bobbick training camp before the Bobbick Norton fight, which lasted 53 seconds. <laughs> but I remember getting on a bus in Manhattan and going to that training camp. And then in the documentary, you learn that Ali built a very lavish training camp in Deer Lake, Pennsylvania. So then why did I, why was I able to talk to him at Gleason's gym in New York City? Was he there? I don't know. Just as a fan to promote the gym, to promote the training facility? I, I hope to learn more in the concluding episode tonight to straighten me out. So do we. Maybe I'll see myself in the audience. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the fight was in Vegas that you covered. That was a Spinks fight that we discovered in the book Such, which John happened to have at home, and I don't have one. I don't carry around one with me. Under the boxing chapter, it, I, yeah. I I wrote it. I was there for the Spinks Ali fight hmm. in what seventy eight or seventy nine. Seventy eight, I think it was. Yeah. What the hell was I doing in New York for? What fight was that? I didn't know I could drive a bus. I didn't know what city it was. <laughs> Why don't we the come only back? New York with... one was Norton and Bobbick. It looks like from your book. Yeah, but he did fight at Yankee Stadium. We discovered Ali. Ali did. Yeah, I don't know if well, you know, I didn't. If it's if I covered that, it didn't make the book because I had it here a second ago. It was seventy uh, seven. Whatever. Let's come back with Johnny Heights news. Hold on, seventy six September seventy six. Ali fought Ken Norton at Yankee Stadium. That's yeah. what that's what we discovered. Huh. You know what? Did they sell any bratwurst at that fight? You think? You mean like Grun, Grun, Grunhofer he brought? You think so? Let me read you something. Okay. Let me read you something. If I can find it. I hope I saved it. It was pretty good. I think it was in New York. It was called Suchere gas attack, not a Roycey gas attack. Oh, boy. <laughs> Much different. Well, I'm going to find it. Uh, just a minute. It's very... For some time, I've been doubting that your gas attacks are actually Roycey-like. Yesterday, I told myself that if I hear you have one more gas attack, it is hardly Roycey-like. Today, you had another one. Self-delusionally proclaimed Roycey-like gas attack. And I would like to take time here to forthwith hitherto declare that the gas attacks are Suchere-like gas attacks. Now that that is out of the way, I'd like to fire up the grill to cook up cook up some great Grunhofer's meat since I'm visiting back home to Minnesota from Fort Bragg. Don't worry, I've left no meatloafs for anyone else as I filled up my dry ice-packed shipping container to get what I could afford, sent home the big Sarge, E.J. Levesque, who back in town made his trip to Grunhofer's nice. old-fashioned meats in Hugo, and he loaded up on the meatloafs. He didn't even declare a warning. We didn't know he was coming to town. And he cleaned them out. And... Uh, I'm going to stop talking about the sides, the quarter sides of beef. They have the uh, <laughs> they have the best selection of soup meats in town, and they have the meatloaf if there's anything left. And of course, football season is upon us, like the big Sarge knows. So he, he's going to entertain the troops back at Fort Bragg. You can enhance your tailgate and football parties with Grunhofer's world famous brats. We're up to more than 100. And 39 flavors. Wow. 139 flavors, and they're all worth trying. They're wonderful. The original location is on Highway 61, just north of Hugo, and then a new location in Forest Lake on Highway 97, just east of 35E. It's Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. 
Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here with a couple of questions for you. Are you noticing a decrease in the following? Maybe strength, endurance, enjoyment of life, libido, or maybe it's just a lack of energy. Are you tired of feeling exhausted even after you eat dinner? I've got an answer for you. You need to call my friends at Everest Men's Health. From signs of low testosterone to other deficiencies, they examine every single area important to a man's overall health. And that allows them to develop an easy-to-follow plan that will ensure your success. It does not matter where you fall on the spectrum of men's health. The time is right now to come into Everest Men's Health and take the first steps toward realizing your best health possible. The great thing about Everest is their medical specialists look at the entire picture and they figure out what is causing these changes to you. They start with a full medical evaluation to check testosterone levels, important vitamin levels, blood levels, and overall body composition. And once they identify the deficiencies such as low T or vitamin deficiencies, they create a personalized lifestyle program that can include testosterone replacement, medication management, vitamin and natural supplementation, and exercise prescription and nutritional guidance. Trust me, Everest is fantastic and they provide a comfortable environment that is not intimidating like other medical clinics. They specialize in men's health and they can be your doctor for all your health needs and they will refer you to a specialist if needed. It's a wonderful environment and fantastic people. Go online right now to EverestMensHealth.com and you can call today to schedule your $50 testosterone test at any one of their three locations in Woodbury, Plymouth, and now in and please let them know that you heard about them on the Garage Logic podcast. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Oh, it's here already. Waterfall season opens this Saturday. It's not too late. You better log on. Do it right now. DKMags.com or even better. He, <laughs> how many boxes of shells do you need? Stop in for a visit at DK Mags on hey. Old Eight, New Brighton, uh, where you'll find. You know, just turn your turn your GD microphone off if you're going to play grab ass games when I'm trying to do an ad. You said waterfall season. <laughs> Oh, Kenny looks so disheartened. Just oh do my the God. news. Do the oh news, John. No, no, we're going to go right back to DK Mags. <laughs> go ahead, Kenny. You know, TLC had a song, Don't Be Chasing Waterfalls. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Kenny, looks... I'd just like to welcome you back. We missed you. I need some time off. <laughs> oh, you just had two days off. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dkmags.com. Here's John Height with the news. <laughs> Why, uh, thank you, Kenny. Oh. What a fine introduction that was. 38-year-old Antoine Darnique Suggs has now been charged in connection to that quadruple homicide that happened in St. Paul this month. Suggs faces four counts of second-degree murder with intent, according to court records. Another man, his father, Darren McWright, who also uses the last name Osborne, was arrested in the same case. He was arrested, uh, Suggs was arrested in Arizona, remains there. According to the complaint, uh, Jasmine, Christine Sturm, Matthew Isaiah Pettis, Natosha Lee, Flug Presley, and Loyes Foreman III were found dead in an abandoned SUV in a cornfield in the town of Sheridan, Wisconsin. Flug Presley had been dating Suggs. Witnesses told investigators they witnessed the group and uh, at a couple of bars along 7th Street West in St. Paul after midnight. The last time a witness said she saw the group was when they left a second bar after going to Shamrocks. She noted that Flug Presley did not make any posts to her Snapchat account after that. Investigators think that Suggs killed the four victims around 3.30 to 3.48 on 7th Street. 
Several video clips from a St. Paul cameras show Flug Presley slumped over in the passenger seat. Combination of cell phone tower data and Minnesota Department of Transportation video showed Suggs and Osborne's journey across the border into Wisconsin later that morning. The SUV was found in the early afternoon hours. All four had been shot to death, according to the autopsy. Uh, Osborne, the father, was arrested. He admitted to police that Suggs told him he snapped and shot a couple of people, but he denied ever seeing any of the victims inside the vehicle. Suggs was charged on September 15th with four counts of hiding a corpse. In Dunn how how could you not see four dead bodies inside of a vehicle? Why would you be charged with second-degree murder? Why not first-degree? I'm failing to note the distinction in this case. I, I'm not sure of all the details, yeah. first and second. What Does it have to be premeditated if it's first, maybe? I, I don't know. I don't, I, probably. I, I, probably. So John, him admitting that he snapped, is that, are we to, to believe that this was just completely random? Apparently, yeah. My uh, God in heaven. Well, it increasingly Which, looks like it has nothing to do with a failed drug deal, for example. So no, he just picked no. off these people at <laughs> it, complete random. It, it. Uh, well, she was his girlfriend. I'm right, sorry. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. So the one, the one gal. And they yeah, were overheard so. uh, in a bar. Uh, him saying Argue. something to her, to the effect of, "This happens to me every time I come home, or whatever." Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, reports today, I don't think it's happened yet, that I've seen online that the Food and Drug Administration will likely give the Pfizer coronavirus third dose booster the green light. A CDC and prevention advisory panel meeting today could create guidance on how the boosters would be used. Uh, that would be big news for millions of Americans ages 65 and older. Officials say a third Pfizer vaccine likely would be authorized for seniors and those at high risk for severe illness. There's also a possibility frontline and essential workers would be considered for the booster. Uh, members cited lack of safety data earlier on some extra doses, also raised doubts about the value of mass boosters, that coming from an FDA advisory committee. They say uh, the, those that would be rather than the ones targeted to specific groups. As far as the other, Moderna and J&J &J go, uh, they still have not uh, asked for clearance for a, another dose, a booster dose. With the Twin Cities Marathon weekend just a week away, officials have announced health and safety protocols for this year's run. Twin Cities in Motion said masking will be required for all indoor spaces and select higher density outdoor settings during the weekend, which runs October 1st through the 3rd. Participants, event officials and volunteers will need to wear masks at several locations. However, masks will not be required for runners during the race. The organization announced in March the event would be held with reduced field sizes across its races and with extra space for social distancing. So we have to wear a mask outside for a, an event. There's, yeah, several places where you have to wear them Got outside. Sure. Would, would Guns N' Roses normally sell out the XL Energy Center? Well, weren't they supposed to originally play at Target Field? Well, they played last night at the X, and they drew 11,000 people. I saw that. Yeah, it was a, a small crowd. I didn't even know they were playing, and I love Guns N' Roses. And, John, you know, uh, the Mavericks are coming to the State Theater October 1st. I did know that, yeah. yes. Uh, a lot of concerts, since you brought up more concerts, uh, Garth Brooks, uh, did you see what he's doing? Uh, he is joining a growing number of artists who will require proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to see him perform. Usually he plays really big places, so that right. could be a problem and hold things up. But uh, he says, nope. He says he's going to downscale where he'll play. In his words, and I'm sure part of this is a joke, but he says he'll play smaller venues and dive bars. Mm -hmm. He says the dive bars are vaccinated. That's how you get to do it. 
Uh, he said he thinks venues can enforce policies a lot easier than a massive stadium could. He said, I know people are saying they're doing this at the NFL games. Well, uh, games. well great for them, but I just can't imagine how you would pull that all together for a concert. Brooks noted he's aware his decision is controversial. However, he feels he's doing what's in the best interest of both his fans and the general public as cases continue to rise in the U.S. despite vaccinations. Fellas, how do you feel about the term dive bar? Does that sit okay with you? Yeah. It I, does? I, yeah. I think it's a, a good term. I mean, you, do? you know, it's, it's seen as something bad. But I don't trust people that refer to bars or a certain kind of bar as a dive bar. Okay. Okay. It's either a bar or a pub or a roadhouse or whatever. Oh, you know what a, it is. A, a dive bar is some weird. No, I'm. I'm. You know what? If you use the term dive bar, I don't like you. All right. How about sloon? Sloon. Awesome. S L O O N. Sloon. I think a years ago though, Kenny didn't Cuzzy's didn't they have a T-shirt that said Cuzzy's Minneapolis's favorite dive bar. Who is the creep that decided that dive bar, the term dive bar, was going to be a thing? I don't know. Because I just used to go to the CC Club all the time, or Liquor Lyles, or Tracy's on Franklin, or or whatever. I I never considered them dive bars. Well, you're a man of taste. Palmer's on on Cedar Avenue. All of these could be considered dive bars. All right. Well, dive bar has a wicked... To me, it's it's just a bar, Chris. They have a Wikipedia page saying dive bar. The definition is this. Typically a small, unglamorous, eclectic, old-style bar with inexpensive drinks and may feature dim lighting, uh, dated decor, neon beer signs, packaged beer sales, cash-only service, and mostly local clientele. And to-go cups if they're worth <laughs> their weight in beer. Uh, I just I just reject reject the whole dive bar. Uh, All right, that's duly noted, John. Did you, did you uh, uh, speaking of concerts and uh, did you see Mr. Clapton's latest uh, the thing he's getting yelled at for? No. Remember, he said he would not play in any place that mandates vaccination right. or whatever. Well, he played a huge uh, arena in New Orleans that was mandating all of that. So, what huge there, arena in New Orleans is even open right now? It was, uh, boy, it was the smoothie, uh, something smoothie. Climate arena. change arena. Yeah. yeah, it was something. <laughs> what's, a, what's a big smoothie uh, restaurant? I have no uh, idea. But Orange Julius? It was something smoothie arena. Which well, who I've plays there? Of, the basketball team? Uh, I, I, I wish you wouldn't bring these things up unless we know what the hell we're talking smoothie about. Smoothie King Center in New Sm- Orleans, Louisiana. Home you, of the New Orleans Pelicans. The basketball team. Basketball team. Right. Yeah, and they and they have all the uh, uh, the restrictions in place, but he played there anyway. I thought he retired. He no, he's not retired. He's doing a tour right oh. now. Joe, when's the last <laughs> time you've been to a Smoothie King? Never. <laughs> and I ain't what about ever a, gonna go. What about a dive bar? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Clapton concert? There, I think we covered. I've never all. seen Clapton live. Really? Yeah, I've seen him like three times. Kenny, how about you? You love him. How many times have you seen him? That's a good question, John. Okay, well, well, anyway, uh, Star Tribune reporting the Hennepin County Board on Tuesday approved a three and a half maximum, three and a half percent maximum property tax levy for 2022 and one million dollars to fund an anti-hate initiative. 
The levy will fund $900 million of next year's $2.4 billion budget, which will be up for vote December 14th. The board has raised the property tax levy every year by an average of 4.6% since 2015. Here we come, Sioux Falls. <laughs> now, uh, Commissioner Irene Fernando, apparently this wasn't enough. She asked the board to consider a 5% tax levy to allow budget flexibility. Several others expressed concern that important <laughs> health and human service programs financed by the $465 million the county got in federal funding might be Discontinued. What's the the campaign, John? The anti-hate movement? What did you call uh, it? It's a, it's an anti-hate initiative, ah. uh, and that will get one million dollars uh, of the uh, of the levy. Joe, it's just I, money. Come on. Can I go to the boss and, and ask for a little more because I need some budget flexibility? Right. Do you think that would work? Whoa. <laughs> uh, you might want to shop a bit early for some Thanksgiving dinner items. In a statement, the Food Industry Association said a combination of several supply chain obstacles from labor and transportation shortages to natural disasters are driving food price projections. The Minnesota Grocers Association said the impacts are being felt by grocers across the state. The group is recommending you should do these things. Start shopping early by picking up non-perishable food items you know you'll need for Thanksgiving. Pre-order your turkey. Some local grocers are already taking orders. What? Talk to your grocer. What are you going to do with Thanksgiving (laughs) is two months from now? Well, pre-order. They'll hold it for you, I would assume, Uh so that that when they run out on November 15th, you can get one. Talk to your grocer about the best time to buy various ingredients and possible alternatives in case they're not available. And be flexible with your shopping list. I have a bulletin. I have a bulletin. Yes, sir. I have a good friend who uh, is at the Ryder Cup, and he just texted me. I'm at the Ryder Cup in Kohler, Wisconsin. The European team came out on the practice range this morning wearing cheesehead hats. Always ah. nice to endear yourselves to the home team. You're kidding. <laughs> boy. That was the best part when the Ryder Cup was here, when Roycey and I were in the media tent, and he screams, Go Europe! into the microphone. <laughs> Because they had us divided, all the American press were on one side and the European press were on the other, yeah. <laughs> and everybody's head turns around. Since you brought up cheeseheads, I'm going to skip ahead here to uh, a uh, kicker I had today. I don't know if you guys noticed this but uh, or heard about it yesterday. Uh, the running back for the Packers, Aaron Jones, yes. uh, during, during Monday night's game, lost a necklace containing his father's ashes. Well, he scored a touchdown at Lambeau Field, and he said the precious item was found the next morning. Uh, Jones scored three touchdowns in Monday night's, uh, no, four touchdowns. No, well, anyway, a lot of touchdowns in the home opener against the Lions. Uh He said he thinks the football-shaped urn necklace fell off during a second-quarter touchdown catch. He said if there was any place to lose it, that's where my dad would have wanted me to lose it. So I know he's smiling. Jones said a team trainer scoured the field, was able to find it at 1.45 in the morning in one of the end zones. Running back said he wore the necklace Monday night as a tribute to his dad, Alvin Jones Sr., who died at age 56 from COVID-19 complications. Jones Jones said his dad always attended games. They would often show him in the stands, and he had to make it a point to locate his dad in the stands and uh, look at him for support. Well, I'm sorry he lost his father, but I'm not sure how much sympathy I can muster uh, for someone who'd wear a pendant with ashes in it during a football game. Yeah. I think I might lock that in my locker. Especially so, playing running back. Jeez. Bonehead yeah. play. 
And plus, I would hold that thing for ransom if I found it. Well, you know, give me some a little something for the effort. Right. right. Uh, uh, was Clapton yeah. in any supergroups, John? Like Ringo, All uh, Ringo Starr, or Wilburys? Or, well, Cream uh, is a supergroup. I mean, yeah, no, I mean a, one I would have seen in the eighties or nineties. Uh, no, I don't think Delaney, so. Delaney, no, Bonnie, was, and Friends was he even there? Yeah, he was in the seventies. Yeah, with them. I don't think I've seen Clapton. Yeah, no, he was you know purely solo in the eighties. So, uh, Bill Gates uh, may have committed. Uh, can I call him utter? Uh, otter utterances is that okay sure an otter thing he did some ottering yeah he did some ottering uh gates has admitted it was a huge mistake to have ties with jeffrey epstein uh he was in an interview with judy woodruff at pbs this week and he said you know i had dinners with them i regret doing that he had relationships with people he said would give he would give to global health which is an interest i have uh, Woodruff pressed on, uh, and then he said it was reported you continued to meet with him over several years. Uh, he stonewalled, evading that question entirely. Now, uh, she tried one more time, saying, is there a lesson for you or anyone else in looking at this? And here's where I think he did some ottering. Mm -hmm. He said, well, he's dead, so you know, in general, you always have to be careful, and you know, I'm very proud of what we've done, very proud of the work of the foundation. That's what I get up for every day and focus on. Yeah, that's an otter. That's otter that's talking otter, to the yeah. dean at Wor uh, Dean Wormer. Exactly. At Faber. Was he ever implicated in any of that with it, with the case at all? No. Not that I'm aware of. I didn't think so. Okay. Uh, everyone hates speed bumps, right? Right. Yeah. One fellow in Chicago took his dislike for them a little too far, maybe. Nicholas Benitez said the speed bumps in his alley were too wide and too high and damaging his car. So he took matters into his own hands, and now there's a pile of asphalt slabs leaning up against his garage. For his trouble... He got a $500 ticket for digging without a permit and destroying city property in the process. He said he was tired of bottoming his car out on the speed bumps in his alley, so he got to work, he said, with his hammer. He admits to smashing the asphalt over a span of days and then neatly piling it against the garage. He wants the city to install smaller speed bumps. And he's complained to Alderman Ray Lopez about the current speed bumps before, but he says he got tired of waiting for a solution. Lopez was alerted to the missing speed bump and informed Benitez that there was a problem with his speed bump uh, vigilante work. Lopez tweeted a picture with a caption reading, Please don't take matters into your own hands, Chicago. This man wasn't happy about a speed bump, removed it himself, and earned himself a $500 fine. All the cars that I've owned, I like to drive them slowly over speed bumps and railroad tracks because I like to feel the suspension working. Okay. Rather than just have it chattering, I'd mm -hmm. rather feel it working. So all the cars I've owned from Schmel's Countryside and Maplewood, boy, if ever one, if ever one of mine was on the lot as a used car because I got another one, you you can be assured that it was taken care of because I I just enjoy that sensation of experiencing the suspension rather than rather than trashing it. Hmm. Uh, I'm talking about Schmel's Countryside Volkswagen Fiat and Alfa Romeo in Maplewood's been there for a long time, multi generational family ownership. I've been doing business there for a long time and will continue to. Right now, 0% for up to 36 months on all new Volkswagen vehicles, with the exception of the all-electric ID4. 0% uh, for 72 months on Fiats and 0% for up to 48 months on Alfa Romeo models. I've experienced all three of these brands. I love all three of them and will continue to. And uh, inventory is crucial right now in this country. So if you need vehicles, check out the inventory at Schmelz vw.com schmelzfiat.com and schmelzalfaromeo.com johnny 
Uh, it's also confusing. A new study says that consuming dairy fat from products like butter, cream, and cheese could prevent a heart attack. Huh? What? Yeah. We've always been taught the opposite. And uh, myself, uh, Kenny, you too, I'm sure, is a heart patient. I love cheese. Yeah, I yes, really I have do. A hard time. I love cheese. How about you? <laughs> I have a hard time. I love cheese, it. man. This gets me off the hook. An international team found that people who consume higher levels of those fats are less likely to develop cardiovascular disease. For years, experts have urged adults to skip fat-laden dairy foods, including milk, to stay healthy. Now, for the first time, scientists have measured intakes by levels of fatty acids in the blood. Dr. Maddie Markand from Uppsala University uh, ran this study. She said a lot of studies have relied on people being able to remember and record the amounts and types of dairy foods they've eaten, which is especially difficult given dairy is commonly used in a variety of foods. So we measured blood levels of certain fatty acids or fat building blocks that are found in dairy foods, which gave us a more objective measure of dairy fat intake that doesn't rely on memory. The findings published in the journal PLOS Medicine Add to growing evidence in favor of unadulterated full-fat foods. The results come from a review of more than 4,000 Swedish adults who are among the world's biggest consumers of dairy products. You know what else is supposed to be good for you? Sardines. Yeah. Oh, I love sardines. So do I. And oysters. Yep, me too. Croatian police said Wednesday they have established the identity of a woman who was found in a remote area on a northern Adriatic island and has no recollection of who she was or where she came from. Uh, furthermore, this island is the home only to bears. Wow. The police identified the woman as 57-year-old Daniela Adamkova from Slovakia. They said her identity was established after getting numerous tips from Croatia and abroad. Media there said that the uh, tip revealed her identity came from the United States where she lived until 2015 before she moved to Ireland. She was reportedly a successful jewelry designer who ended up becoming homeless. The woman was discovered September 12th on the island of Crook, sitting on a jagged rock close to the sea in a remote part of the island that is, is only inhabited by bears. Croatian media reported the woman communicated in English but couldn't give a name. She didn't have ID or a cell phone. Police had released a photo showing the woman. Croatian Rescue Services said the woman had spent a night on the seashore and was found exhausted and with light injuries. The case drew attention both in Croatia and internationally. The woman has since been transferred to a hospital in the town of Rejaka. Police described her condition as stable and said that Croatian social services will take over once she's released from hospital care. Well, reporting is horrid. Uh, how did uh -huh. she get there? Uh, yeah. What? Uh, they, how they did she know. live? How did she eat? Uh, they, they don't know any of that. That's why. What did she use for it. toilet paper? They, they mean, don't know the, any of was that. Was she attacked by bears? What's her favorite show? <laughs> right. <laughs> a winter haven man is facing a host of charges, including armed kidnapping after he threatened a woman he knew and told her he would make her life miserable. A winter haven police department said they got into an argument at the Briarcrest Apartments, and I use this story for only one reason, mm -hmm. his name. During the argument, 27-year-old Sir Dangerous LaShawd London. Nice. All right. Real, real name. Sir Dangerous. That's in uh, Florida, I take it, Winter Haven, That's Florida. correct. Yeah. Yep, yep. Grabbed the woman's car keys, refused to give them back. <laughs> he then got into a different car as she started to leave, and Sir Dangerous jumped into the passenger side and started hitting the window. Winter Haven police later found and took Sir Dangerous into custody. He faces... <laughs> 
multiple charges, <laughs> including armed kidnapping, a burglary of occupied convenience, aggravated His battery. brother, Joe, is Sir Mix-a-Lot. Is it? Yeah. It, it, doesn't it sound like a low-budget wrestler? Yeah. Sir Dangerous. Got the bad mask. Back to yeah. the uh, the woman really quick that uh, lost all of her memory. Do you think the husband, you know, Sarwin, uh, I've never seen her before in my life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. John, thank oh, you for wow. that. Thank you, you for that newscast, John. Really think cool. about that a second. <laughs> wow. <laughs> This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. GLers, I want to introduce to you our new friends at Mosaica Hard Surface. St. Paul's own Mosaica Hard Surface, that is. They specialize in the sourcing, supply, and installation of hard surface-based materials, such as granite, marble, and quartz for your kitchen, bath, fireplace, bar, outdoor kitchen, Anywhere that you dream up, they can get it done, done right, and also done under budget. Corey and Jay are the owners of Mosaica Hard Surface, and they are diehard GLers. There's a lot of people out there that are doing this, but I'm here to tell you that they do it the best. They've been around for 20 years. They only use the best materials, and they custom cut everything in their state-of-the-art facility. They also install everything themselves. Not everybody does that. Mosaica Hard Surface wants every aspect of your project to be perfect. So give them a call today, uh, 651-242-0894, 651-242-0894. That'll get you in touch with Corey directly. You can stop by their new showroom on Marshall Avenue in St. Paul, or just visit them online at mosaicahardsurface.com. That's M-O-S-A-I-C-A, hardsurface.com. Tell them GL sake. Yeah. Yesterday, Steve Wilson requested a ruling on the necessity of garage rope, along with garage wood and garage iron, and we 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 ruled yes, garage rope is a it was a good catch. We all need garage rope, and we all we all have somebody said, I didn't request that. The request was, at what point is it no longer useful? Is there a ratio of diameter versus length? For example, a 12-inch chunk of two-inch uh, diameter Navy Pier rope is useless while a 12-inch chunk of paracord still has use. Perhaps the criteria is that it needs to be able to be tied into a knot. Too short to make a knot, it gets pitched. I don't, I don't think, I think once it's been established that garage rope has its place in the garage, it's up to the proprietor to determine what rope should be discarded or not. I don't think there, I don't think there should be a definitive ruling on that. If you can find a use for whatever rope you have and you've determined that use, then you probably won't throw that rope away. So there, there's your deal there. And uh, uh, Billy Stein writes, my most prized piece of garage rope is a 60-foot hauser that I used uh, when felling trees in the days when I was young and fearless and heated with wood. It now sits in my garage conjuring up fond memories of the past. All right. And, okay, garage wood, iron, and rope. Add jars of garage screws, cans of garage paint, drawers of garage tools, and sheets of garage cardboard. You know it's all too good to pitch out. Well, I think we've already established cardboard is right in there with wood, iron, and rope. And it's a given that there's drawers of garage tools, of course. I don't know what he means by cans of garage. Yeah, there's cans of garage paint. You know, like a mason jar. Is that what he's talking about? Yeah. Okay. Are we going to go down the road with everything, virtually everything found in a shop here? No, I don't want to. That's why I'm saying we're, we should establish the like basics, and they are wood, rope, iron, cardboard. and cardboard. Yeah, I'm a big believer in garage cardboard. Yep, you uh, used I got to those. take the uh, coffee cup uh, right. boxes. People uh, thought you were nuts. 
Joe, I, a 25-year-old man, was minding my own business lifting weights at the gym this morning with the headphones in, secluded in my own little world. All of a sudden, another young guy, maybe in his lower 30s, tapped me on the shoulder and pointed at my shirt. I remembered that I had worn my GL 2020 ding-ding shirt and immediately thought I was going to be the next Rochester Target story. To my surprise, the gentleman pointed to his phone and showed me that he was listening to Garage Logic. We exchanged a couple of pleasant words and then went back to our own workouts. Just more evidence that common sense is not lost with Gen Z, and we are still out there. Tevin in Roseville. Fantastic. I met Tony. Did I tell you guys that? Yes. Anthony? Yep. Yeah, I did? Oh, this, yeah. all right. Yeah, nice guy. We had him on the air. Right. I met him a couple of days after that. Yeah, at a race. Yes. Regarding the GL banner, Peggy writes, I was visiting a local airport and noticed a GL banner hanging on the wall. She's referring to the GL flag. I checked out the GL store and did not see one for sale. Is this something I can purchase for my husband to hang in his shop? We didn't make enough of them, did we? No. no they all not. sold out at the fair? <laughs> they did. How many times? Well, never mind. I know. Yeah, I know. Don't, don't kid. And mind. only, only because they come to us. All the way from Marloth Park in Mumpum along to South Africa from the Traveling Lymans. It was on this day in 1895 that Elmer A. Benson was born in Appleton. He would serve as governor from 1937 to 1939, representing the Farmer Labor Party. Under his watch... The state's first workers' compensation law would be passed. His sympathy for communist principles would lead to distrust among members of the party, but he would retain control of the Farmer Labor Party until 1944 when it merged with uh, the Democratic Party. Increasingly radical, Benson would become a marginal figure in politics and return to farm in Appleton until his death on March 13, 1985. That guy was a commie. On this day in 1968. <laughs> Just. Uh, huh, that's what he was. He was a hell of a. Uh, oh, a and by the way. <laughs> what happened on this day regarding the twins in 1968? September 22nd, 1968. Oh, oh, oh. Give, give oh, us a hint. Uh, I know. No, I know. Uh, he played all nine positions. And his name oh, was? Cesar Tovar. That's right. How would you know that? You don't know the Secretary of State's name. I don't know how long it takes to get to Sioux Falls from Mankato. Right, but you knew that on this date in 1968, Caesar Tovar played all nine positions. Yeah, I'm a dork. Yeah. The only other guy in my life that I've known who has that those kind of capabilities. Rookie's pretty good know. at it. Yeah. Rookie has a pretty locked-in memory. Thank uh, you, GLers. I, I, I have like a, a couple I'm, edits today. Yeah, I think I have, so. I have, I have a question. Uh, yes. I, I, uh, why was Why was Elmer Benson elected in 1936 and defeated two years later? Our governors only served two year terms. Yeah. At that point, I don't know. And how I did he retain? They found out how did he? How did he retain control of the party till what did you say? 44. Yeah. Because he was. What, a, they were what's turning going on commie. There? They were turning commie on him. Are you just making this bleep up as no, you go? No, I don't know anything about Elmer Benson. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. He's right, uh, Kenny. Everything Joe said is uh, correct. Okay. I, what do you I know still about don't know, though, Elmer my, uh, Fudd? You know anything about him? I love this red hat. <laughs> yeah, he did love have that. a nice hat. I have that hat. You do. It's you a wore stormy it to the, Cromer cap. You wore it to the uh, crashed ice. Yes, I did. Because yeah. there was a picture of you with a nice GLer, and uh, yep. then we called you Scott Farkas for the rest of the uh, the rest right. of the winter. Joe walked around there saying, "Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits." Hey, uh, 
GLers, do us a favor and uh, hit that subscribe button to our Garage Logic YouTube channel. That would be swell. And join the thousands of GLers that have already done so. And don't forget to download the PodMN app where you get daily notifications the second Garage Logic becomes available. You also have the chance to win fantastic prizes just by listening to us via the PodMN app where you can also see a brand spanking new episode of News from the Krabby Coffee Shop featuring Dawn, Johnny Height, and Kenny Olson. It's all available to you there. Also, the weekly scramble we just recorded one yesterday. We'll catch you tomorrow.